Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-game. All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is Mr. Alvin Hope Johnson. He is the president of Hope Housing Foundation. He's also uh, the founder, I'm assuming, of Hope Capital Group. And I met you probably over a year ago now. And I went into each other at a bunch of different events. And we talked on the phone and tried to put some projects and stuff together. But I remember I heard your story at, I believe it was one of Raphael's masterminds. And you got out there on the couch, man. You just had such a a calming presence and your story was such an emotional roller coaster that everybody in that entire room just stopped and listened to every single word you said. And I just thought it was, it was such an inspirational thing. And as soon as I heard you say it, I was like, I got to go introduce myself to that guy. And since then I remember, you know, you've met Nicole and she's really big on energy. And the second you came to the other event, I saw you out, I was like, you have to just go say hi to him. I don't even know why. I just feel like you were meant to. And she was like, man, I, I felt like I needed to give him a hug. He just had just, just, this energy that I just wanted to hug him. And I was like, yeah, it's just, you have a very approachable, gentle energy about you. And it's really cool, man. You're very soothing and calming and you have such a great story. So I'm really excited that she gave me some time to talk to you today. And, um, you know, I'll let you just kind of dive in. We just started talking about some stuff. You just came from uh, Grant Cardone stuff. But before we get into that, I'd really like you to dig a little bit into your story and, and where you came from. And I know you had a lot of ups and downs and I just, that's the kind of stuff I love to hear because people who only see the wins and the stuff that you post on social media, or they only see, you know, the properties and stuff, everybody assumes, oh, that's what it is. It's all highlights. It's all awesome. But anybody who's really doing anything entrepreneurial or starting their own business or just doing something different and awesome, obviously knows that there's a lot of work that goes into those. Those are just the clips. There's downs, there's ups, but keeping in the game, it's not quitting. It's you know, when the deals fall apart every day, raising the money and doing those things. So I love that your story had a lot of that. And again, man, you're, you're here higher up on the mountain than you've ever been before. So uh, I'll let you kind of take it away and talk about how you started and a little bit about your journey up until now. Well, good, Nick. Thank you, man, for the opportunity to do this. It's, it's truly, a, truly an honor and a pleasure. I really enjoy connecting with you and love the work that you guys are doing, you and Nicole as well. And it's all about helping other people. And so I really appreciate that. Um, and I, you know, you talked about my calming spirit. That's that's cool because on the inside, I'm jumping up and down, and I'm always ready to go and, and needing to do something right now. So I appreciate that it doesn't come out that way because sometimes that could be offensive, right? No, not at uh, all. But I tell you, man, one of the um, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about Grant, but I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share my story. And I was talking to one of my uh, my COO this morning about. You know, we all look at guys like Grant Cardone, who has 35 years of, or 30 years of being on one path, made a decision 30 years ago, and his life is today a sum total of that decision 30 years ago. I look at my pastor, who's 60, he's 60 years old this year, Grant 61. My pastor made a decision when he was 15 years old to live a life, live his life a certain way. And the fruit that we see today, his life has been like this the whole time. And that's, that is a sum total of that one decision 
that he made at you know 45 years ago. What about the guy who just decided to make a decision? He's 45 years old. He's 35 years old. He's 55 years old. And he doesn't have 30 years of history behind him. And his life is not all of this, right? What about that guy? How does that guy make a decision today and get on the path to, to go and change the trajectory of his family's life and his legacy and make an impact? Well, fortunately or unfortunately, I'm a poster child for that guy. You know, God allowed me to go through, uh, allowed me to make the decisions that put my life where it was when I went through all those ups and downs and peaks and valleys and, and bad decisions. Well, that was my choice. And today, you know, I'm a guy that is the heightened level of awareness that I have today and the need to go get it right, right now, right now, right now, is because of so many years of not making those right decisions. Now, I've had a lot of years of making good decisions, which is why I'm here, but what would have happened if I had 35 or 40 years of making the right decision, right? So a little bit of my story, man. My mom and dad were, were divorced when I was 11 years old. So from, from that time at 11 years old, I felt like my dad left me. You know, I know him and my mom divorced, but I was a kid. I was at home. My brother's eight, nine years older than me. So dad left me. He didn't leave mom. So I had daddy issues. Um, I got in trouble at 15 years old and really could have really ruined my life for the rest of ruined my life for the rest of my life. But uh, the court system and the judges and everybody gave me an opportunity. They said they saw something in me to to allow me to make a change for the better. Now, I wasn't robbing and killing anybody, but I made some bad decisions. Only by the grace of God, even during that time, did I not get caught, you know, drinking and driving and doing some dumb things that a lot of people have done that could have really ruined my life. But, um, you know, I got married at 18. I did the same thing my dad did. I left uh, him, my, my first wife and my son's mother uh, separated divorce when he was 11 years old so there were some generational things that go with that and um so you know when you know better you do better i didn't know any better that's what i'd always seen i'd always seen a quitter so i had the quitter mentality when everything got tough i quit doing it and i go do something different but i chose to be a father even in spite of that and today me and my son are best friends even his mom and i are really 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 good friends we chose to co-parent together so I did make a conscious decision 30 some odd years ago to do that right. And it's, I've got some really good fruit in my life from that decision. Got some great grandbabies that I get to be a part of their life. But it started with that decision to co-parent, right? So I went through that marriage, man, and I, I started as a painter's helper, paint, painter's helper, learning how to paint houses when I was 18 years old. Didn't go to college. My parents were educators and teachers and I used to be mad at them because they wouldn't come home and talk to me about college. They'd come home and tell me to shut up. I was talking too loud. I was making too much noise. They had dealt with hundreds of kids every day. So guess what? You know, I, <laughs> Alan, shut up, man. You're talking too much. Go in the room and be good. Do your homework. Well, I never did any of that. Uh, <laughs> and they never talked to me about college. So uh, I didn't go to college. I didn't know that that was what I was supposed to do. I was given an option and I chose the easy way to not go. 
Well, 18 started painting houses. By the time I was 20 years old, uh, the guy that I was working for had gone out of business and I had to eat. So I started knocking on doors to paint houses. I was painting houses for 200 bucks if the homeowner bought the paint. I went from that and I knocked on the right door. And this guy that I knocked on his door knew of the work that I had done for another contractor, gave me a job uh, to do a hotel. So I became a big time paint contractor by the time I was 20 years old, made my first million bucks. And by the time uh, my son was three years old, I was 24, um, I was broke. This was early, late eighties, um, thought the money would always be there, made some bad decisions, invested in my, in my business the wrong way and could not buy a job. Uh, his third birthday, man, I was down and out. Uh, couldn't, we literally ate our last bowl of oatmeal that morning, cleaned out the cupboards doing that. We were getting put out the house that day. The lights were getting cut off that day. Just all that day, January 13th, 2000 and, uh, no, January 18th, January 13th, 1989. I tried to commit suicide and I tried to shoot myself. The gun wouldn't go off. I dropped it and that didn't work. So I took a bottle of nitroglycerin pills. And I remember before I went to sleep, I said, God, man, if you've got a plan for my life, then uh, hopefully you'll have mercy on me and you'll allow me to fulfill that. If you don't, then please have mercy on my soul and I won't wake up in heaven. I mean, in hell. Uh, well, I woke up in ICU 10 days later and went, boy, you really are a loser. You couldn't even kill yourself. So then I had so a lot of self-deprecating thoughts from that. And that lasted with me for a long time. But there, were, uh, there was a village of people that believed in me and that loved me and loved me back to health. And I'm in part today who I am because of that tribe of people that loved me back to health. Well, during that time of them loving me back to health, I had to eat. So I got up and got a job and got back into the real estate world. And that didn't work. This was 1889, 90 interest rates were super high. Nobody was buying houses, so I couldn't find any houses. So I went and I drove a truck for three years. And after driving the truck cross country for three years, I wound up in Deer Park, Texas, right outside of Houston, working in a chemical plant. Did that for a couple of years. And I just got burned out and really wanted to get back to my first love of real estate. So I started general contracting again. So I went back to GC World, a couple of years of that, opened my first mortgage company in 1996. Did super well with the mortgage company um, in 2000, I got licensed, life fell apart again, moved to Dallas, started over, opened another mortgage company and scaled that deal really well and had a really good seven, eight year run with that. And during that time, I thought that it was more about the money that I was making and how could I give back and help some other people with what I was doing. So I got really involved and interested in educating people in the mortgage business and how to buy homes for themselves. So I explored the opportunity to start a nonprofit that was geared towards that. <clears throat> and I did. Well, I couldn't do anything with it because I still needed to eat and make money. And I met a guy in 2007 that had 16,000 apartments. So I fast forwarded quite a bit to get to where I am. But this guy um, told me he'd meet me in his office in Dallas, met him there really great looking guy, really put together well, could articulate his words. I mean, just a beautiful guy to me. And he told me he'd help me. And 
So he gave me some homework. We met for a couple hours. He gave me some homework. I went home and tried to do that homework. I called him and said, nope, that won't work. Go do this. Called him back. Nope, that won't work. Go do this. Nope, that won't work. And after the third call, I didn't talk to him again. Well, that really discouraged me because I was really looking forward to this relationship. So I proceeded to call him, email him, or text him every week for a year. And finally, after that year was up, he answered the phone and said, Alvin Johnson, man, I'm so tired of you calling me. I know it's you. I've gotten every text message. I've gotten every email. You're the most tenacious guy I know. If you really want to know what I do and how I can help you, you'll come here for 30 days and I'll put you up for 30 days. I'll send you home every weekend and you can see what we do and then you can go back to your regular life and work it out. Well, I got the biggest suitcase I knew and I met him on March 1st, 2008, small town in North Texas, Northwest Texas. I get there and they've got 16,000 apartment units uh, all under a nonprofit umbrella. This 16,000 apartment units was spread over nine states. They had a jet, two other airplanes. They had all company cars spread out around the country for their team. And I was just blown away at the amount of money that was being made and generated, how the apartment industry was used to fund a profitable, a nonprofit mission, all by driving profits. Because if you don't have a margin, you don't have a mission, right? So I sat there for 30 days and he allowed me to go to all the cities where the properties were. I met with the managers, the maintenance men, the city officials in really bad cities where these properties weren't doing well. I saw the level of deferred maintenance. I wonder why this would work here. This didn't work. Some of it was in total disarray and shambles and some of it was really, really great. And I really wanted to figure out why. Well, after 30 days, I didn't have enough time to figure all that out. And he asked me what I was going to do. And I said, well, I wasn't going to leave unless he sent me home. We didn't send me home, and after I stayed another 90 days, and after 90 days, now keep in mind, I was volunteering this whole time, so I put up enough money to take care of myself for about 120 days. So I was at the end of that 120 days, and he asked me, Alvin, you still here? I didn't know you were still here. I said, well, you told me I didn't have to leave because I was never in the office. I was always out on site. I was, I was doing whatever I could do to plug in to try to make his life easier so I could bring him data that so that he could use, but also I was really enjoying it and loving it and learning and felt like I was contributing. After 120 days, he put me on a stipend, allowed me to be paid um, for the duration of my time there. But after the 13th month, uh, he died in a car wreck. So I'd gone from a guy that just met somebody in Dallas, called him every week for a year, he invited me in and opened up his whole business and his family life and everything to me, allowed me to be a part and plug me in. And then he dies in a car wreck. And because I had been so involved with the operations and the property, everybody else had either gotten fired the day before or quit because things were really not good. Uh, I became the interim president of this billion dollar company after 13 months of serving somebody else. So from the pit to the palace, right? <laughs> um, during this, so when I took that interim position job, I knew that this deal was going to be forced into a bankruptcy. So we had a chapter 11 liquidating bankruptcy where we were trying to restructure all the debt. 
uh, on 66 apartment complexes with 180 entities that owned them, over a billion dollars in value and about $800 million in debt. And how do you unwind all of this and then liquidate the properties? Well, we went through a two year course in a bankruptcy uh, on a real high level with some of the best attorneys in the country. That's where I got my, my bankruptcy and my uh, experience that I could not have gone to college for. And after that bankruptcy plan was confirmed, then I was let go. And I thought, wow, now that's great. I got all this experience and all this knowledge and now I'm fired. <laughs> How am I going to get a job? <laughs> Who's going to hire me now? Um, well, it turned out that um, the gentleman's son-in-law had a company uh, and it's the company that we run today. And he said, Alvin, here's a company. My board is ready to resign. You can put a board in place. That board can hire whoever they want, but I think that you'd be a good fit for this and you can take it and go do some good. So we did that. And in January, 2011, I became the president of Hope Housing Foundation. So it's been nine years. Um, we said, we're gonna go out and we're gonna buy some apartments. We had no money. We had no credit. We had no experience. And we had, the only experience I had was from a foundation that had just filed bankruptcy and had just gotten rid of all of its properties. So that really wasn't that positive, but we had a hope and a prayer and a desire and a will. And so we started out and said, we're gonna go buy some apartments. And today we've got just under 1400 units. Uh, we have partnered with friends and family and individuals and have raised over about 30 million bucks and paid all of it back except for the the one deal that we've got for sale right now, and that will make everybody whole, pay everybody their returns there. We've, we've never missed a dividend payment, so we've always paid our investors on time. And uh, we've started a management company because of that. We've started our capital group because of that, because now we can syndicate funds from accredited and non-accredited investors as well to participate with us so that they can either learn how to buy real estate through our education platform um, or they can become a part of the ownership stack through these limited partnerships that we put together and go out and do some good while we're doing good. And that's where we're at today on our way to 20,000 units by 2027. We're going to do 2,000 units this year. Um, that means we need about 200 million bucks. A lot of that will be uh, loans. Some of it will be private equity. Some of it will be, it'll all be done through partnerships because you know this relationship I have with you is a partnership. Uh, there's no way I can get a guy to give me a loan for 40, 50 million bucks if I don't have a partnership or a relationship with him. So it's all about the relationships. And I believe that if we continue to connect with people in a way that is down to earth, uh, real life, tell the story, get the story out, and then provide results of what we've done. And we've done it in the past and we have the track record to do this. We have the capacity. This is a team we put together. I believe we can accomplish anything. And I believe that's true, not just for me and my life. I think it's true for you. I think it's true for anybody that's gonna to listen to your podcast, that once we make a decision to do whatever we decide and we put the right people around us at the right time, the right thing's definitely gonna happen. I get a lot of questions from people on uh, wanting to pick my brain, wanted to ask me about what I do, how do I do it, all kinds of things across the spectrum. One of the things I try and answer back with is there's a few different ways that we can work together. 
people can either um, participate by being a buyer, being a seller, or being a partner, and that's really the best way to learn. So if people have questions that have reached out to me, the best thing to do is jump on www.nicknicknick.com, and you can schedule a consultation if you're looking to sell properties, buy part properties, partner on some deals, or just get a general consultation to see where we can even fit in and where we can do business together on any level. There's options for that to set some stuff up. So please visit www.nicknicknick.com to buy, to sell, or to partner on real estate deals or opportunities. That is the place to go. That is the best way to start making money and learning the process. Man, that is unreal. What a great story. I, I still get goosebumps when you're, when you're telling it that that's amazing, man. I, I love, um, not that I love that you went through that, but I love that you're able to reflect on that and take such positives out of it. And obviously, you know, you're, you're where you are today, who you are, the way you do business, the relationships you have, all the energy you put out is all a result of those past experiences. And I think so. A couple of things that um, really stick out. One of them is you, you started out talking right away about you made a decision 30 years ago and that affects where you are today. But what if you made a decision today? How is that going to affect you? And that's a, a really big thing that I don't think people put enough focus on is right. really is these everyday decisions mm-hmm. is where you wind up, regardless of how big or how small it is, right. the ability to make those decisions. And again, when starting out with business and stuff, I didn't even realize until I got to the point that I was trying to work with partners and we'd have these meetings and I I'd do my part and then I'd go to them and say, well, what do you guys think? And then I couldn't get an answer because people overall and, and you know again a, a guy like you some of the some of the circles we're running in now you know with the the Raphael Vargas's of the world and the Tim Bratz I'm coming more and more around people that make those decisions and they own their business decisions mm-hmm. but if you're not really running around with people that are doing this type of thing every day I found most people are afraid to make decisions because they're so worried about being wrong making right. the wrong decisions whereas you'll never get anywhere if you do that you know worrying about well if I'm wrong what are people going to say what are people going to think what if this what if that it's like man, I'd rather make a wrong decision, but like move forward and learn from it. And when I talk to people that are successful, I love the the honesty you have about the things you've done right and the things you've done wrong. Because to me, I don't want to talk to somebody that's a millionaire that made their money in the last five years in real estate that really hasn't been in a market. Like when the market turned, what did you do? How did you correct those mistakes? What happened when you couldn't pay back those investors? They don't even know the things to look for to correct those mistakes. And you know, I was reading up on you a lot. And you've been around for 35 years doing real estate, doing all these things. So not only do you know what works, but you know the things that don't work and you know the mistakes that you can save people from making. And that's why when you say things like, hey, I, I'm, I'm always building partnerships. I'm, and I see you're going out to Grant Cardone's thing. You're at Raphael's thing. You're at the Real Empire stuff. You're always out there learning and, and going to other people. And when somebody new comes in and goes, well, just tell me how to make money. It's like, well, you know. A little bit more than that. Yeah. And did you, <laughs> yeah. for 35 years of you, getting to where you are, that's where those partnerships really have value of, I can take the next 35 years and learn all those things that you learned, or I can partner up with you and make sure that I don't have to take those hits and I don't have to make those mistakes. And that's where I think these types of things and podcasts and social media, when you get somebody good and somebody honest, I think it's just unbelievable how you can spread that and people can really help each other and we can really collaborate on deals. And that's why I think people have been doing better than ever because they just they're able to share those ups and downs and the, the honesty of people like you that come across. I, I, that's something that I don't think was around. Maybe it was, maybe I just wasn't aware of it, but you know, 10 years ago or 12 years ago when I was getting in real estate, it was all about everybody just doing almost that grand card. Don't thing and like the jets and the money and the girls and the vacations. And 
it was all the good stuff. But then when I started going and trying it and I was like, well, how come nobody tells me about the bad stuff? I want to know like what happens when these things happen. So I appreciate you sharing all that, man. And I appreciate where it got you today. And you know, the more people like you out there, the better this business is going to be. And the more people can learn what's realistic, not just what's, you know, the shiny thing that people are seeing on social media. Well, I'll tell you, Nick, it's, it, it goes down to your why. I, you know, I see this thing all the time, Matt, that the two most important days in your life are the day you're born and the day you figure out why. <laughs> and um, I believe that this season of my life right now that I'm here to be able to provide housing to people that are less fortunate or that, that, have, that need a good place to live. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that 90% of our residents are assisted by government? No. It means that there's a guy like Nick that may be making $50,000 a year. They can't afford to pay $2,000 a month rent, but he still wants to live in a nice place. So what happens if, if all your institutions come in and buy up all of this, all these, these units like it's going on right now, and they're raising rents, $1,400, $1,600, $1,800, $2,000 a month rent. And now Nick, who has a great family, a great job, he's a manager at Burger King and he makes $50,000 a year, cannot afford to buy a home because everything in North Texas starts at about 350 unless you get out to the boonies and or you know you live in Chicago or you live in Richmond Virginia or you live in Atlanta Georgia and you can't afford to pay $2000 a month rent. We believe that we are here to help provide a nice quality of living for the guy that has workforce blue collar just got a job just trying to get by just trying to just trying to take care of his family and himself. So that that's what our mission's about. Um, empowering other people. So we've got employees that wouldn't have jobs if we were not in business. We've got contractors that are doing work because, because we're in business. Um, and all of that is part of the why. Now, do I want to have nice things? Do I want to do good? Absolutely. But it's more about me helping somebody else make their dreams come true, which will automatically make mine come true. And, you know, with all these things, man, uh, the more... I'm around the Grant Cardones and et cetera. The self-deprecating thoughts that everybody doesn't have those. Everybody doesn't deal with the, the self-doubt or the, the worry about what if I miss it. But the more you're around guys like that, you'll see that it's not just overnight success. You know, he's, Grant's 61 years old and he tells his story about how he was a drug addict and alcoholic and et cetera, et cetera. But it was at 35 years old that he made a decision to change his life. So, okay, 26 years later, now we're seeing the fruit of that. And so many people probably think, oh man, I'm, I'm 50 some years old now, no need for me to change today. I'll never be able to make a change. I'll never make an impact. I'll never be that guy. Well, not saying never, you sure won't, you're right. But you have an opportunity to make a decision today, wherever you are, with whatever you're doing, to make that decision, do a 180, go back the other way, or do a course correction, 90 degrees, whatever you got to do to get back on the right path and, and, and stick with it. And, you know, man, the sky's the limit. Well, not even the sky anymore because you could probably go to Mars. That's where <laughs> Elon Musk is going, right? So just a dream and, um, and then the work ethic and the grit behind that dream, waking up out of your sleep going, oh, man, that was a nice dream. Now let me get to work and it'll happen. That's awesome, man. And I like uh, on your social media, and I'll put the notes for everybody that can follow you on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and everything on, on, our, on our show notes. But I follow you, obviously, a lot on Instagram, a lot on Facebook. And a couple of the things I love is 
you always have that tagline, a, a moment in the life of a dreamer. Yeah. And then at the end of all your things, you always kind of sign off with dream on dreamer. And I think that that's really awesome because even the story you're saying, there's, there's somebody somewhere that the lights are getting shut off today or they're eating their last bowl of oatmeal or they're having some trouble with their marriage and they're going, you know, I know I want more out of life. I know I was capable of more, but like, how am I ever going to look at this type of life or do these different things if this is where I am today? Right. And, you know, even the, the Rocky story of him selling his dog and having nowhere to eat. And like, look where you are. Look where everybody that's successful, I feel like has maybe not always hit that low, but that's a real thing that no matter where somebody is today, it has no reflection on where they could be a year from now, two cool. years from now, three years from now. And that I've seen a lot of people that you come in and people count them out. You know, they'll come into a real estate course or a seminar, you meet them or they call you and they go, hey, I want to know what you do. And then somebody would be, well, you know, I don't really have anything to start out with. I'm having trouble paying my bills. And a lot of people will shut that out of like, yeah, you're talking about owning these hotels. Keep dreaming. Whereas you say it like dream on dreamer in a positive way. Because I hear people like, oh yeah, dream on dreamer. Like, yeah, go, go worry about getting a job. Go worry about this. Go worry about that. Like, And you really are just the, the antithesis of that. And I think it's really important for most people, like every person to hear that just because you're in a down spot right now, if you just keep doing those things and make that decision every day of this isn't going to be where I am next year. This isn't going to be where I'm going to be two years from now. This isn't who I am and mm -hmm. really push to that, man. Like that's the kind of stuff that changes the world. So I love that you open with that. You lead with that and you, you condone that and you support that and you, you feed that because I feel like there's so many people out there that don't and just having one person to say, you know what? I saw Alvin's video. I listened to his interview on the podcast. I saw some of this stuff and like, I'm just going to follow him and forget everybody else. And so in a roundabout way, part of what I wanted to ask you about, about that is, did you have that when you were going through those tough times? Obviously you, you were really down, but I know one of the things you said helped you was getting all the support of the people around you that loved you. But I'm sure there was also people around that, that take pride in seeing you fail or didn't want to see you do better or, or told you to just give up on these dreams. Did you have those things? And if you did, how do you handle that? How do you deal with that? Even now you probably have somebody in your life or people around that don't, you know, just the haters out there that don't want to see it. So how do you keep such a good calm energy and keep that positivity and keep trying to influence and inspire everybody without letting all that negativity and, and the bad juju out there keep you down? Really good question. Um, Nick, I don't know that I've ever been up close and personal with somebody that didn't want to see me succeed, or at least I didn't know it. So I've been been probably had a really good filter uh, about that. You know, of course, we all got people that probably want to see us not succeed, but uh, they won't come to my face and tell me, so I don't worry <laughs> about it. <laughs> um, even in the down times, man, I, I call it a gift and a curse that God has given me the ability to see things that are not as though they were. And so I could take a piece of junk property and see it as if it were brand new. I could see my life even when I was just woke up from 10 days of sleep in the ICU and go, man, I could be here. I've had a vision for, I don't know how long, maybe the last 25 years of, of being in an office building that was probably 70 or 80 stories high. And I know I was really old because I had on suspenders, so I hadn't gotten there yet. Um, uh, but looking over this, this city and going, wow, God, thank you for what you allowed me to be a part of. So I still have that. The Bible says people perish because of lack of vision. Um, so that vision or the dreams of something that I've always had, you've got people listening to me now, 
They're going, 20,000 units, man, please. You won't make it another six months in business. You got people saying that. Um, so the dream about having 20,000 units and what it takes to get there is a big, big deal. So in having that kind of vision, dream, thought process, um, I try to put myself around people that, that fuel that fire or people that believe in that, that will help me to accomplish those things because um, it's not about me. It's about me only because that what I want to do is make sure everybody around me wins. And if I'm winning, then everybody around me is winning. And if everybody around me is winning, guess who they're impacting? They're impacting everybody around them. So it takes somebody to, to lead the charge. And um, for some reason, God thought I could handle it. <laughs> well, I, you know, here I am. I signed up for it. And I'll tell you, it started because I had an insatiable desire to just eat. I was just hungry and I had to eat. And I didn't know any other way to make it. So I just took the gifts that I've had. Uh, the gift of the ability to communicate, the gift of painting, the and the gift of you know going to an old house and saying I'm gonna paint this and make it look new. That's part of that vision, right? Um, taking that vision and just making it come to life, taking an old dilapidated apartment complex that everybody gave up on, and getting enough people to believe with me that if we spend this much money here per door, this is what it'll be worth. But look what it also does to the community, and look, it also gives people a place to live. But look at the impact that we're going to make and look at the amount of money we can make doing it. So you tie all those things together, there's a way to, to get everybody engaged, either from a heart perspective, because we're doing good, or we can get the community involved because there's a need there, or we got a guy that just wants to make money on his money, we can get him involved because now he gets to do good while doing good. And there's just a way to marry all of these things together. And I just believe that we can do it on a 10x level, that we can do it 10 times greater, 100 times greater. I think we could literally have 100,000 units of apartments housing across the country. I think that our portfolio could be worth $20 billion and that you know we just do it and we won't eat that elephant all at one time. It's just gonna take day by day of doing the consistent work. And I continue to fuel myself with books that I read. You know, I drive an hour plus to work every day to the office. I chose to do that. And so I, I get a lot of books in, podcasts in, uh, just continually feeding myself, trying to be the best version of me today that I can be. And I fail miserably a whole lot of times, <laughs> but I just wake up the next day and know that the grace for that day is sufficient to get me through it. And we're going to work it out. And I love that, man. I love it. You know, and you're, your whole tagline with hope. I just feel like that that's what you're doing every day with every one of those posts is you're just giving somebody hope. And that's, that's really all it takes sometimes just giving them the hope that, okay, you know, tomorrow is going to be better. The day after that's going to be better. And you're, you're living proof of that. And I'll go on record that you're, you're, you know, hundred thousand units, man. I, I believe in you that you can do that. Knowing what you do, knowing who you are, knowing the people you surround yourself with, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't. And, um, you know, piggybacking on our initial conversation with the, the relationships, I think that's definitely a big thing. And, and one of the things you said, was um we were sitting down man i don't even remember where we were now i think we were actually in dallas and um you and i were sitting down going over one of the developments you were trying to put together and you were talking about all the opportunities there and i was like man how'd you how'd you even land this and you said the guy sat down and you were like man he just liked me and he said i just want to see you win yeah. I feel like that, that's what happens is when you're looking to go inspire and help and put good things together people are going to see that in you and that's just going to naturally bring you 
better opportunities. You know, that, that's a really cool thing, man. That says a lot about you and a lot about your character. I, I think that's awesome. And, you know, with your opinion on how you've been in the business for, it's been over 30 years you've been in the business now, right? Yeah, yeah. So a two, twofold question. And one of them was, I definitely want to see what your thoughts are on where we are in the market. Obviously, you've survived multiple corrections now, where, again, I see a lot of people that got in after and I don't think that they're going to be around when things start to turn. Whereas, I agree with uh, that. Yeah, it's, which will be a good thing for us because, you know, it's all cyclical. So I can, I can identify those things. I know I lived through one. I know I'll thrive in another one. Mm-hmm. But where are you seeing and how are you adjusting your business on that? And then a, a, a caveat to that, if you want to tie it all together, is in the last probably five years especially, social media definitely wasn't a thing that was around like it was the last time with the market correction. And there wasn't, I mean, maybe there was as many investors and things going on but everybody didn't have their opinions and their things all over the internet every day. I see that you're choosing to use the internet as a tool for good and for passing messages and for putting relationships together. How was that just something that naturally happened for you to say, you know what, I have this platform. I'm going to use it to continue to tell my story and inspire people. Or was there a little bit of give and take? And and how are you finding that the internet's changing your business and your model to tell your tale? And like you were saying with Grant Cardone, just kind of build your brand. Well, I'll start with where I think we are in the market right now. I think that uh, we've never seen interest rates this low. We've never seen cap rates this low. Um, it's going to be really, really difficult to get the interest rates back up to six, seven, eight percent anytime soon. So I think we still have a little bit of a runway, but that runway could literally shift overnight. So, you know, and if you look at the cycles of of things running in five and eight and ten year. Uh, history patterns, um, depending on what happens with the next election, you know, this time next year could be totally, totally different. Um, a slight shift in the interest rates could mean a slight shift in cap rates, which means all these guys that are buying units today at four and five cap, when they go to refinance or try to sell in two years, the cap rate 7%, guess what? Flush down a toilet. Like you said, they won't be here. Um, so that's where we're positioning ourselves to make sure that, yeah, we're buying opportunistic deals, but we're not being super, super opportunistic and not taking account that the interest rates will change. And what happens if we can't refinance? What happens if we can't pay off our investors because we leveraged this thing too high on the front end? So we're being super, super cautious about that. Um, so I, I don't know. I think we still have some one-way room to still go out and get some of those crazy loans done. Uh, but even with that said, we're not taking any adjustable rate mortgages. <clears throat> Everything we're doing is we're locking it in for three, five, ten years. Uh, we are doing some interest onlys, uh, but I really love the amortizing loans. But you know, on a bridge platform where the the goal is to to purchase, refinance, or sell in three to five years you know, you could take advantage of some, some significant cash flows by doing interest only. So we're, we're weighing that as well as we walk through some of these deals. Um, the other thing you mentioned, the second half of that question is I got so caught up in answering that when I missed it, but what was, what was that? What was the second half of that? Yeah, the second half was just talking about how the difference in this market turn and where we are now, how social media and the internet is just such a prevalent thing. And just, talking and building your brand and just seeing the difference in how to use it. And again, I see people use it sometimes to spew their political views or use it to cause hate. Like, you know, every time 
I, I don't read everything guilty of it that like I'll see something that looks like a cool story or a fun positive thing mm-hmm. and I'll just hit share as I'm going about my day. And even like a positive story, all of a sudden I'll check my Facebook later on and there's 12 comments of people trying to find some negative in it. And I'm like, dude, take the day off, like give it a rest. So, <laughs> you know, but you obviously use it for a good thing. You use it for a positive thing. You're, you're choosing to use it as a good tool rather than a weapon. So that was just, I wanted to see how that came about. Was that always an intention that that just kind of happened? And I mean, you, you use it really well to tell your story and spread your message. Well, thanks Nick. I'll tell you, uh, the, the millennial generation has really changed the way a lot of businesses are doing business. Uh, you can, you know, from your Amazons that were, yeah, they were around 10 years ago, but they weren't, Jeff Bezos wasn't the richest guy on the planet. You know, there was no Facebook, there was a MySpace, but it's not here anymore. So the way that social media is being used for business today is really uh, having a lot of industries make course corrections because of the way people are using the internet. Um, for me, I have always been the guy that wanted to be behind the scenes. Uh, under the radar, didn't want to be seen, just want to be the guy moving the needle. And um, I heard Grant say over a year ago that the only reason you're not where you are today is because of obscurity. Nobody knows who you are or what you're doing. So you got to change that if you want to go move the needle. I've got some people that work alongside me that push me to be better, that push me in front of the camera, that push me to tell the story, because it's obviously a, a decent story. It's a great story. It sounds good on this side of it today than you know, 15 years ago when I was going through it or six weeks ago or six hours ago when I was going through what I was going through six hours ago, right? Uh, it looks good on the other side, but I, you know, that perspective of always seeing the good, even when the worst is being displayed has just been something that, that I've always had. Um, that's why I called it the gift and the curse. I can see way out there what needs to be done. I just don't see that pothole in front of me that I'm about to fall in uh, because I'm so asphyxiated on what's way out there. And that's where the relationships come in. That's where your accountability partners come in. That's where the people that have your best interests at heart come in because you, you know, the visionary has to have somebody to keep him out of the ditch. And I thought that I could do everything by myself. I, you know, I was the only owner of all my companies. I was the guy. I was that guy. Uh, and guess what happens when, when that happens? You wind up in a ditch somewhere. Um, so today, I don't think I do anything by myself. Everything is done through a partnership or a relationship or a co-working agreement or something with somebody else because that's the way we're going to accomplish more, get more done, and just and have everybody around us win. So um, the, the social media platform is, is a way for us to give back. So we're doing free webinars for people that want to learn just the basics of multifamily uh, property ownership and investing. Uh, we also have a six-week paid course that we're walking people that are a little more serious that want to one day own their own property. So we've got a six-week online course for that. We've got a master class for somebody that says, man, I, I understand the basics, but now I want to get a little more involved. How can I really be involved? So or how can I learn more so that I can go out and be my own sponsor one day and let people give me the loan? So we're teaching that as well. And then we have the partnership opportunities where accredited and non-accredited investors can put their money with Hope Capital and let's go out and move the needle and buy 20,000 units in the next six years. So there, there's a, there's a we. The people around me have allowed me to just use the gifting that I have, and they've set up all these programs and and things for people to come and be a part of this in any level or capacity they want to, 
and it gives me the fulfillment of just being able to do what I like to do, which is help people share it, give it away. And, you know, if we give enough, then it always comes back. So I don't ever worry about, you know, giving away too much or talking too much because, because there's enough out there for everybody to have a book. If you guys are getting anything from the podcast and some of the great knowledge and tips that the guests are sharing, please take a minute and leave a review on iTunes or any of your platforms with some stars and some comments, helping spread the promotion and spread some visibility for the podcast, for the guests, and for the knowledge so we can continue to do this. It'd only take a minute. I appreciate it if you guys could take the time. It would go a very, very long way. Again, leave a review on iTunes, start to share, start to spread the word. I really would appreciate it if you're getting anything out of this. Thank you. That's awesome, man. I absolutely love that. And I think that it's a good thing that somebody pushed you to tell that story because I don't think anybody could tell that story the way that you can, you know? And I, I think it's a huge thing that every time somebody hears that, I think you're really, really somebody that's about to give up hope that you can inspire to kind of jump back in. I, I think that that's huge, man. So I'm glad somebody pushed you to get out of that and do that. Now, um, as far as that stuff, do you want to Tell people, so if they're looking for ways to take the, the masterclass or the online course or any of those things, is there some websites or stuff they can go on and learn more about that? Uh, yeah, I'll give a, an email address. It's info at alvinhopejohnson.com. They can send an email to that, uh, to that address and just express their interest level. So again, it's info at alvinhopejohnson.com. One of the team members will get back to them about that. Um, the free webinars, I don't know. I think they start... Uh, next week. So just watch, follow my IG. It's Alvin Hope Johnson um, and my Facebook, Alvin Hope Johnson. Follow those. We'll be posting the ads. We'll be running ads for those free webinars. We're going to spend money to get the word out that we've got free webinars. Also, I've made some of the best relationships I've made in the last six months because I did a, I did the six week course for uh, I think it was about 18 people. We put out a post around November and said, hey, I want to do a class. I just want to teach some people how to how to do real estate. We had over 100 people apply. We tried to take the best of the applicants for that. Um, and when I say applicants, I wanted to make sure that if I brought somebody in, that we had the ability for us to really help them. So I didn't want to set myself up for failure on the first go round. So there's that you know limiting belief, right? <laughs> but I wanted to make sure that I could add value to the person that was going to spend and give me hour and a half to two hours a week of their time. So we did that. And from that have come some just dynamic relationships because we were willing to get out of the box and help somebody else achieve what they wanted to do. So uh, Grant's movement is 10X, right? So we wanted to 10X that. Let's do, let's do these all the time. Let's keep these webinars going. Let's offer these classes uh, and let's see how many people we can impact. It'll do several things. It'll allow us, to find more deals. It will allow us to teach more people how to find deals. It will allow us to teach people how to underwrite them, but also allow us to go out and buy some more deals, right? So we, we're educating people on how to help us by helping them. So it's a give, 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 and uh, we're super excited about that. And That's looking awesome, forward to, to getting it going. That's cool, cool. So, you know, piggybacking on that again, when, um, when we first got on the call, we, we kept talking about relationships and we bought up Grant Cardone and I saw I've been getting, I mean, those guys are doing something right with their marketing because I can't log on to anything without having something for his 10X thing coming in. And, uh, you know, I've been traveling a lot, but I would have loved to go to that. So I saw that you were there and I was like, man, that's really cool. I want to make sure I ask him about that. And then I saw the IG post that you just made about, and I think that's where you mentioned getting 2,000 um, yeah. units this year. And you were saying, 
it's a lot of things that you might not necessarily have never heard before. It's stuff you might have known, but I feel even that sometimes is a huge thing just to go there. And even if I go take a class or, you know, I go listen to a guy talk for three days or, or whatever it is, I might not hear anything that was new to me, but sometimes it just gives you the confidence of, all right, this guy's saying the same thing. I am on the right track or I am thinking about this the right way. And, you know, sometimes it fills holes. Sometimes it gives you confidence, but you're going to a lot of those things. And, and like you said, I think uh, one of the biggest things is there, there's times that I'll be hanging out at some conference and we'll be at dinner or having a drink after. And then somebody will lean over and be like, man, this, this three day kind of sucks. Like I'm not learning anything. This guy's really not teaching anything. And then we'll look at it and go, yeah, but this is awesome. Like, so even though I'm not maybe getting anything in the room, the fact that I came here and I met this guy or that guy or Alvin or Raphael or Tim or whoever, like just that one relationship or that one conversation you had at lunch or dinner or coffee or a drink. Makes could the whole weekend well. worthwhile. Yeah, man. Like that's what it is. It's, and it's choosing to find the one thing that's going to help you or help your business or, or you can contribute to help somebody else or somebody else's business out of all the other things. But people, well, I didn't hear this and I learned this. It's like, yeah, but if you could just find one good thing and take that thing or take that relationship. So, I mean, you're doing all that stuff. And like you said, you're, you're only going to be able to scale your business and build your business and get where you want to be in the next five or 10 years by nurturing those relationships and finding the right ones. So um, definitely talk to me a little bit about when we started out, you were telling me a little bit about the experience you had from Grant and the branding himself and all that kind of stuff. So what, what were some cool key takeaways from there? Man, I think the biggest takeaway for me, um, Nick, I got, I'm not a note taker. I got about 10 pages of notes here, right? And it's, just phenomenal but I think uh, I don't think I heard anything new but uh, I've had a desire for the last 20 years and I can't find my little deal right now um, it's around here somewhere I've had a desire for the last 20 years to own an airplane or a helicopter it started out as a helicopter because everything was local. And I said, man, I could fly to my job sites and just drop down and do that. And how cool would that be? Not as just for the sake of having it, but as a tool to get to the next place a lot faster and get it done. And then like, well, you know, this, this vision is taking off some, so maybe not a helicopter. Maybe we need an airplane. Maybe we need a jet. So when we were having this party, uh, Grant threw a party for the Diamond members and uh, of course, he nobody knew where it was, uh, so he buses about 400 people from the Mandalay Bay to an airport hangar, and we didn't know where it was. You know, you pull up and see all these airplanes, like, oh man, we're at a hangar. So you go in this hangar, and he's got his Gulfstream in that hangar, and drinks, bar, food, you name it, anything you wanted, just it's all there for the taking. And the one thing he said that stuck out to me was the only reason I did this was to show you that it was possible. And here I am, a guy just like you. I'm 61 years old, and here's my $12 million plane, and go do whatever you want. Go look at it. I don't care. Take pictures with it. And then he had Rick Ross there doing the concert and, you know, just partying with the group, and all just to show that it was possible. So my life today. If anybody can take anything that I've said and just know that, you know, I said Grant was a guy that made a decision 35 years ago to change his life and to do something different. Guess what? I made a decision maybe five years ago, maybe five minutes ago, maybe six months ago. It's never, ever, ever too late to do something great. That's the biggest takeaway. 
That's awesome, man. I love that. Yeah. Now, um, one thing I wanted to ask about your business is it I seems to get before I started crying. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so you guys are doing a lot, man. Like I know you did um you're doing a lot of wholesaling, you guys do multi-units, doing developments, all that kind of stuff. What it looks like you're a bigger piece of your focus right now is obviously the multi-units and the developments. I don't know if you're still doing uh, single family this year, but one of the things that I struggle with that when I go to masterminds even people that we both know, we're all round table about stuff we're, we're talking about. And that becomes the thing of, well, what do I focus on? Cause I get excited about making six figures a month wholesaling, but then I also get excited about picking up a hundred unit. And then I have my land that I want to develop. And you're doing a little bit of all that. How are you prioritizing or picking what to focus on or what battles to take or what directions to go down? Cause it could be overwhelming. And then you wind up looking at everything and doing nothing, which you're obviously not. So what's your recipe for dealing with that? Well, I think we have to take care of the core. What is the core business? Um, I turned down three opportunities last week that probably could have been really good deals, but they require too much of my time. So what's the core? Our core business today uh, are the development of apartment communities. Uh, next week, we should be closing on our development loan this Friday or Monday coming uh, to where we're gonna go build 360 single family homes. That's going to take some of my a significant amount of time putting the right people in place to make that happen. But it all ties back to the core. So what's the core? The core is providing housing to the people that need housing through multifamily, single family or whatever. So if it does not, for me, if whatever is proposed to, of me or to me, presented to me, if it does not directly correlate or line up with one of those two things, I don't even look at it. Um, the wholesaling of properties, yeah, that's great. That's good, man. You can get in and make some money real quick and make 100000 this month. But I can tell you the guys that are making $100,000 a month didn't start yesterday, right? So it's been a progress or a process of things that they've had to do to get to a place where they make it look easy. Well, anybody can go do that if you're willing to put in the work. So for me, it's really just focusing in on the main core thing. And I tried some stuff last year that was, that really blew up in my face and cost me a lot of money and heartache and trepidation. And um, because I did not listen to that still small voice on the inside, you know, we all pray for God to give us a, a discerning ear to hear. And then you get a little red flag and you blow past it. And then you get another one and you just obliterate that roadblock and just run through it. And then you get on the other side of it and go, well, man, why, why am I here? Shit, you just ran through all the red flags and stop signs and barricades that were there to, to stop you. So I think you need to pay, and I think we all have that sense of something on the inside of us that's designed to protect you. I think you probably just need to listen to it. Um, and here I am sitting here still on that side of some of those decisions I made last year telling myself this, but it's the truth. And you know, you keep going and enough water will run under that bridge and wash all that garbage out. And then the water's clear again. And now I can go back to that decision I made five minutes ago, 10 minutes ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, and get back on that path and pick up where I left off and keep going. So I'm just a believer in two and three and 100 and 150 and 500 new chances that we get every day <laughs> to get it right. <laughs> I think that's awesome, man. Hey, do you have your own podcast? I do not. You need one. You need one, man. I think you're the first person I've actually said that to during one of these, 
but I could listen to you talk all day. It's it's awesome. Ariel, we need a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got to go. Well, again, that might be one of those things that takes you off topic and stuff like that. Well, but, maybe uh, not, because it's all it's all part of building relationships. It's all yeah. part of the education process. So it's it's just carving out, you know, like we did today. You sent me an invite. I put it on my calendar. I'm in it. Um, I called you when I knew I needed a few more minutes, but I'm, I was I was dedicated and committed to this time. And there was one thing that, let me read this to you. I wrote it down two or three times this weekend um, that um, and it was about commitments and um, And I'm going to try to paraphrase it since I can't find it. But what I kept hearing about commitment, that a lot of people want to make a commitment, but if that commitment doesn't cost you time or money, you're not going to stick with it, right? Um, and, oh, I commit to lose weight. Well, okay, that's great. I'm going to just walk around the block or I'm going to just do whatever. But if there's not a serious cost that you're going to pay for that commitment, then most people lose hope and think that it'll never happen. Oh, I'm committed to go do 2,000 units this year. Okay, well, I can't just sit in my office and hope that they come to me and hope that all the money comes and it's gonna happen. No, it's gonna cause me to have to become very uncomfortable to get out of my box and to go do something that uh, may not feel good, but I'm committed to the process. And I know that if I do it, I've prayed and I know that it's the right decision to do this. Then I believe that those commitments or those goals or those opportunities can actually yield some really good fruit because that commitment that you said you were going to make required something of you and you stuck to that. So um, I don't know if I did a good job paraphrasing that as I wrote it down because now I can't find it. But um, I think you get you know, the message across great, man. I, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, again, you, you conduct yourself always great personally, professionally. I always like talking. I always like listening to you. I do really much appreciate that you gave me an hour of your time today. That I know is not an always, always an easy thing to do, man. Um, any final closing thoughts? Uh, a for maybe for somebody just starting out in business and life and real estate, and then uh, maybe for somebody coming along that's just looking to up their game a little bit. What is some some final hope you can bring to somebody listening to this on any level? A couple of quick thoughts. You never. It's never too late to make a good decision to change your life. Never too late. Um, I think that's the biggest one. And then the next one, man, is just dream on dreamer. Keep dreaming. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So uh, Alvin Hope Johnson on Instagram, Alvin yep. Hope Johnson on Facebook, yep. info at Hope Capital Group. Info at alvinhopejohnson.com is the email address for any information. And uh, Alvin Hope Johnson TikTok. And there's my guy, Jonathan Collins, in the background. <laughs> no need to run now. <laughs> Uh, but that's where we're at, man. And I appreciate you, your time, Nick. Appreciate you putting this word out, helping us get the word out. Um, anything I can do for you, you got my number, just give me a buzz. I appreciate it, man. What can we do for you? How can we help you out? This is a big help. You putting the word out, getting your following to, to take a look at this. Uh, it's all about the relationships we're trying to create. Uh, we need 200 million this year. So I'm not, a, I'm not embarrassed to say it. I'm not afraid to say it. We need 200 million. 
however we can get it, whatever partnerships we need to make to make that happen. Uh, we're doing ex uh, excellent, excellent returns to our investors of greater than 18%. Uh, so, and we're doing it from accredited and non-accredited investors. And the goal for 2020 is 2,000 units and we need 200 million. So all those twos and all those zeros, let's put them together and make something happen. I love it, man. I will share this. I'll send you all the info. I'll promote this as much as I can. You, sir, always bring your A-game. It's always a pleasure talking to you. If there's anything I could do, yeah, my number, man, text me, call me anytime. Thank you, Nick. I sure appreciate it. And look forward to talking to you real soon. Definitely, man. Have a great week. You too. Bye-bye. Take it easy. I'm Hope Johnson, ladies and gentlemen.